Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey everybody, it's Drags and it's Wednesday, August 29th. Time for episode 260 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com. Also follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media. And for all football coverage, including, of course, the Patriots, follow us at Patriots CLNS. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its very core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo. Boston Barber and Tattoo has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, and Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barbershop. It's also a tourist attraction for the hundreds of thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo, a North End landmark that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core, located at 113 Salem Street. This week, I welcome CLNS media colleague and Patriots expert beat reporter Evan Lazar, who joined our team just a few weeks back. Many of you who follow the Patriots are already familiar with Evan's terrific work breaking down the film, doing an incredible job of deciphering the football moves of one Bill Belichick and his staff. Welcome, Evan, how you doing? I'm doing well. Boston Barber with Aaron Baines' view. I like it. I, I've always been a fan of Baines' hair, so I'm impressed by their uh, by their skill there. So, you know, that's a great point. Aaron Baines, uh, and obviously many of uh, those who are listening to this are also big Celtics fans and follow our uh, in-depth Celtics coverage, obviously, on CLNS Media. They know that Aaron Baines uh, is very choosy about what he puts on his body and how he uh, decides to uh, um, enhance his uh, image on his skin. So uh, I got to tell you, if uh, it's good enough for Aaron Baines, it should be good enough for anybody looking for some body uh, body art. Let's start with this week's retirement of Eric Decker. Moving on to the serious uh, world of football news, <laughs> uh, Evan, uh, really not a surprise uh, that uh, Eric Decker decided to hang up the cleats. I thought it was a class uh, move, a very heartfelt message on Instagram that he posted late Sunday afternoon. What did we see or not see in the preseason that led to his ultimate decision to walk away? Yeah, I think that ultimately, you know, when you see guys retire from the Patriots at this point in the in the season, you know, early in, in the preseason, usually what we are seeing is that, you know, if you come into the system as late as Eric Decker did, it's just a tough place to catch up. You know, uh, once you get behind the eight ball, 
especially, you know, was you signed on about August 3rd, I think it was. And, you know, you're, you're already into training camp about 10 days into training camp. You missed OTAs, you missed the, the, uh, non-mandatory stuff, all those things, you know, combined, it's a very tough offense to then catch up and be able to be where some of the other guys, even guys like uh, Cordrell Patterson uh, or someone like that, or one of the rookies, Braxton Berrios, that, you know, have been at least in the system since, you know, March or April, uh, or even just so much further ahead than a guy like Decker. So uh, as soon as we saw him play into the fourth quarter on Friday night, we're like, you know, he's either going to get cut here or, you know, what ended up happening with the retirement. Yeah. And, you know, you knew uh, pretty much right away when you saw him, I I think in that uh, second preseason game against the Eagles, it looked like the game was too fast for him. I mean, there was one ball over the middle that he, uh, that he had a great chance to catch on a crossing route from Brian Hoyer and the ball just looked like it got on him so fast. And, uh, maybe sometimes it's a matter of the game becoming too fast, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, with him, the biggest thing was he was probably thinking a mile a minute things are really spinning in his head really fast about where he was supposed to be in the route tree, where he was supposed to run his route, what play they were calling all those things, and then in order to then make a play after that, catch the football, make a play after the catch, do all these types of things that, you know, a, a good wide receiver does in this system, it was just a lot to ask for. Uh, so I think that Eric Decker was pretty caught up, and I just want to be in the right spot for now, and then we'll figure out the rest later, and it all kind of just didn't come together quick enough for him to uh, be able to stay on the team. All right, uh, so Eric Decker is not going to be in the mix. Obviously, Jordan Matthews uh, and uh, Malcolm Mitchell uh, were gone pretty early in uh, training camp, or actually in, in the preseason anyway. The receiving options right now, as they stand with Julian Edelman starting the season with a four-game suspension, are Chris Hogan, Philip Dorsett, Cordero Patterson, Riley McCarron. Now, there are those who would say, Look, Brady will make do. He's got Rob Gronkowski. Uh, he's got other uh, receiving options. He's got James White. How concerned are you about the depth um, at the receiver position? Well, I think what's concerning about it is, is you know, we're going to find out in the first four weeks of the season what it's like without Julian Edelman. But what if there's an injury down the line that one of those things where someone's not going to come back? Right. Uh, if Chris Hogan or Julian Edelman now were to go down, or even Philip Dorsett, who's the guy all of a sudden who's really important for this team, if he was to go down with an injury, then we're really talking about the depth being thin. I think that right now, on paper, they're probably okay because, as you mentioned, they have Rob Gronkowski. They have the stable of running backs that can all catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, James White, Rex Burkhead, we're hoping we're going to see Sony Michelle at some point this year. So all these things add up to. You know, when you really look at it, they have eight or nine guys that can catch the ball and uh, and make plays with the ball in their hands and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily that the whole passing offense I'm so worried about, but you got to be a little bit worried about the depth. I mean, what happens if you do lose one of those top three guys? I think that you're going to get a lot of Cordrell Patterson. You're going to get a lot of whichever guys they end up keeping between Riley McCarron and Braxton Berrios. Maybe one of those guys ends up back on the practice squad and they go and look to move for a veteran here at the end of training camp before cutdowns. We saw it last year 
Belichick's not, you know, shy about making trades, obviously, this time of year and adding a guy like a Philip Dorsett, as he did last year, or Marquise Flowers or whoever it ended up being. So I think that the Patriots will be squarely in the market coming this next week or so uh, in the wide receiver market for a guy. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be Demarius Thomas or Des Bryant or one of these big names that have been floated out there. But it's going to be – I would be shocked if they don't make a move for somebody or sign someone that's released by another team or something like that. I'll tell you another name that people should not sleep on. And I, I know a lot of Patriots fans who have watched him realize that he's become a very significant part of the offense is Jacob Hollister. I actually think yeah. he could be a huge uh, – could play a huge role in the receiving game uh, in the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, great point. I mean, he has just kind of taken everybody by storm this offseason, it seems, and into training camp in the preseason. Everyone in that locker room is singing Jacob Hollister's praises and how hard he has worked to kind of take that next step, go from a guy that was undrafted to now a guy that, you know, can really be, I think the number two tight end in this step chart right now is Jacob Hollister. You know, Dwayne I don't think there's any question about that. I really not to yeah. cut you off, but I don't think there's no, any question ahead. about that, uh, Evan. He is the number yeah. two yeah. right now. Yeah, he's the number two. I think that there's going to be a lot of those move tight end routes that you know we've seen in the past from other n- number two tight ends behind Gronkowski, seam routes, things on the, moving him around the inside and the outside of the formation, lining him up in the slot, maybe lining him up in the backfield a little bit and throwing him at you know routes into the flat and stuff like that. He's going to be good after the catch. He's a fast guy. He's like kind of in more of a mold of a wide receiver than the tight end at times. So I think that there's a lot of good things that Jacob Hollister can do in this offense that we are starting to see. Obviously, we didn't get to see him uh, on Friday night because of the minor injury that he's dealing with. But I agree. I think that he's going to be a big part of this, or at least the guy that's going to hold a role. I'm not sure if he's going to you know, catch 60 passes or anything like that, but he, I think that he'll be a, a guy that's going to get some balls this year. Okay, uh, Alex Barth, uh, our CLNS media colleague, and I talked about this on Sunday at Gillette Stadium. I'm more concerned about the depth in the running game than I am the receiving game because Tom Brady controls the pass game, right? I mean, obviously, right. he, he decides where the ball's going to go, and he can check down, he can get creative. Uh, he, in, in many years in the past, has been one of his uh, best one of his own best pass protectors uh, for the way he moves around in the pocket. But the running game is a different story, and the running game concerns me. Uh, when you take a look um, at Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead already dinged up and uh, having not played the last couple of weeks, Jeremy Hill did get uh, injured uh, in that game on uh, Friday night, late in the game. Why he was in there, you know, only Bill Belichick knows for sure. Uh, but at this point, y- your options are Ralph Webb, James White, Jeremy Hill, Mike Gillisley, and Brandon Bolden, because the others are injured. Uh, what do you make of the running back situation? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's starting to get to the point where I almost think that we're going to see Brady chucking the ball 45, 50 times a game, some of these games, especially early on in the season before Sony Michelle gets back. Because what else are they really going to do? They don't have necessarily a guy that's your traditional workhorse running back or even a guy like a Deion Lewis who is, you know, exceptional between the tackles and is a very hard nosed runner despite his size. 
So I don't think that you're going to necessarily see that Jeremy Hill is, is going to be a 250 carry guy, you know, this season for the Patriots, just because he has to be, I, I don't think that they're going to force him into that role necessarily. I think it's going to obviously be a running back by committee. So they're going to pass the ball around to everybody or hand the ball off to just about everyone. But I wouldn't be surprised at all, especially in those first four weeks of the season. If you really see a spread them out, Tom Brady and shotgun, he has all of his fast little guys around him that can, you know, create after the catch. And and that's kind of the offense that you see. And you just see Brady getting the ball out of his hands in 2.2, 2.3 seconds. And he's just dumping the passes off to guys like James White and Chris Hogan and uh, Philip Dorsett and, and Cordell Patterson and letting them run with it. Because honestly, uh, you know, we've seen in the past that, that short passing game in New England kind of becomes an extension of the running game. And uh, I think that that's kind of where we're headed because, as you said, you know, there's a couple guys that are dinged up. And other than that, there's really not a lot of guys that are known for being workhorse running backs. Maybe Jeremy Hill early on in his career was that kind of guy, and maybe he can get back to it. But I think that's expecting a lot out of him. Yeah, okay, but let's say that they go Tom Brady in the shotgun, Tom Brady empty backfield a lot. Uh, aren't teams going to play closer to the line of scrimmage uh, and send uh, extra pressure up the middle? I mean, that's been kind of the M.O. against the Patriots when they do do that. And, you know, the the reason the Patriots, I think, have been able to get away with that is they have uh, the great, you know, neutralizer and Rob Gronkowski who can get open incredibly quick off the line of scrimmage and become a release for uh, and Julian Edelman, when he's available, uh, become quick releases for Tom Brady. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, the the one thing that I will say is that they do have some speed on the outside. Uh, you know, Philip Dorsett's obviously a fast guy. Cordell Patterson's not a guy that necessarily you want to see running deep routes all the time because it's just not, he's not ever been really that consistent doing it in his career with the route running. But I think that, you know, in order to combat that, you can do things with Rob Gronkowski and Philip Dorsett, uh, especially, that are able to kind of keep the defense honest, pass the ball deep down the field a little bit. We didn't see Tom Brady attempt any deep passes, really, except that one to Will Ty, which was kind of a head-scratcher on Friday night where they threw the fade, uh, you know, on a third down play. So it is a little interesting to see, you know, why is that happening? Is that just a preseason thing to kind of keep Don Brady protected? That's kind of the way I'm leaning, obviously. But he was basically getting the ball out in 2.1, 2.2 seconds. He wasn't hanging on to the ball. He didn't attempt a, a pass or complete a pass beyond 10 yards downfield. He only attempted two passes beyond 10 yards downfield out of his 18 pass attempts on Friday night. So obviously they are uh, getting the ball out of his hands quickly, I think, for the preseason purposes, just so that he doesn't take too many hits. But I think that overall, I mean, I'm sure he'll hang on to it a little bit longer in the regular season. But I think that that's kind of where we're headed. I, I really do. I don't think that necessarily, uh, you know, that they're going to let Brady sit back there and scan the field for too long and look for too many deep patterns like they were last year. Last year, you know, obviously with Cooks in the mix and with Julian Allen out of the mix, 
they really became a vertical passing offense. I mean, they were running air raid concepts, you know, Yankees and, and, and long passes and uh, goes to cooks on the outside and stuff like that. Uh, I saw Mike Leach, the uh, air raid master at <laughs> Washington State, tweeted out something a few uh, weeks ago about how the Super Bowl was basically all air raid. And uh, it's true. It was basically all air raid. The Patriots are running all sorts of uh, vertical passing concepts and seam routes and go routes on the outside and big uh, over routes and stuff like that. So it was. I think we're going to see a very different offense, which I think is going to make the offense, at least for, to the naked eye, look more like what we're used to in New England with the short passing game. But the question is really going to be: Is it going to be more effective? Uh, is more important than that? You know, Patriots fans saying, "Oh, this looks like the Tom Brady and right. the Patriots offense that we're used to." So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, especially in those first four weeks of the season, how they move the football. But obviously with Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels uh, as the brain trust there, I'm sure that they're going to figure it out. And I'm sure that they're going to score plenty of points. Uh, And I think that the defense is going to ultimately end up being the thing that we're all kind of, is it good enough to win a Super Bowl? I, I don't think that we're really going to be questioning is Tom Brady and the offense good enough. Speaking with Evan Lazar, CLNS Media Patriots beat reporter with over 8 million users across the U.S. and Canada. Game time is the top destination for last-minute tickets to all major sporting events, concerts, and shows. Game time is built for the urban, millennial, and Gen Z customer that is always on the go and constantly optimizing for the best last-minute experience. Unlike Ticketmaster and StubHub, who overwhelm you with so many choices and steps, the Game Time app shows you only the best values and makes buying tickets incredibly fast and easy. To make selecting tickets even easier, GameTime also shows you an actual high-res photo of your view from the seat. Plus, the GameTime guarantee has you covered. They will guarantee that you'll receive your tickets in time for the event, and they'll be valid for entry. If that doesn't happen for some unknown reason, unlikely reason, GameTime will locate comparable replacement tickets or course, give you a 100% refund. Whether you're looking for sports, music, or theater tickets, you can find all of them under one roof at Game Time. For $15 off your first purchase, visit usegametime.com beat. That's promo code B-E-A-T, and visit usegametime.com. Once again, usegametime.com slash A-T. Speaking with Evan Lazar of CLNS Media covering the New England Patriots along with myself and Alex Barth. All right, going into the break, you mentioned the Patriots' defense. And specifically, I think what a lot of people are concerned about in watching the three preseason games, two things. Patriots are giving up a lot of big pass plays again when they don't get to the quarterback. They've been doing a good job getting, you know, rushing the quarterback, Evan, but when they don't get there, they've been giving up big pass plays and they're not getting off the field on third down. Those to me are two huge red flags. Yeah, I mean, here we go again, you know, kind of with that bend, don't break style (laughs) on Friday night. That was basically what we saw, you know, give up a lot of yards between the 20s and then give up field goals in the red. It's a a painstaking way to watch a football game. It's very aggravating. You go and you see 
some of these other teams that have maybe some more talent on their defenses that are really able to impose their will, you know, like a Jacksonville or a Minnesota or something like that. But those teams are able to kind of control the game with their defense. And the Patriots kind of always just seems like are uh, are kind of holding it together with duct tape and making sure that Tom Brady doesn't have too much of a deficit to overcome at one point in time in the game, which obviously leads to a lot of wins because, you know, you have an offense that moves the ball so productively as they do and score so many points as they do. But I think that in terms of giving up the big plays, I do think that Brian Flores is trying his best and and kind of experimenting here in the preseason with some things that are going to uh, limit some of the big plays and hopefully uh, he can turn up the scheming on third down as well. Obviously in the preseason, we're not seeing like a ton of scheming and stuff like that or a ton of game planning. So hopefully when the regular season comes around, they can kind of do a little bit more with that. I think that, you know, a big issue with with everybody right now is how Stefan Gilmore has looked in the games. Obviously your big money, number one corner, you don't want to see him getting burned like he did against a guy like Curtis Samuel, for example, who turned him around in that Carolina game. But the big thing I think that I look at is that, all the things that Stefan Gilmore has gotten beaten on, he got beat on that crossing pattern, for example, against Washington, and then he right. got beat by Samuel. You look at all these things, and he's in cover one man coverage against really shifty and fast guys like a Samuel who can just flat out burn. And you watch the play, and the Panthers kind of set up that entire side of the field for Samuel to run that route against Gilmore. And there's just a lot of space to cover uh, for one guy. Now, I'm not making excuses for getting turned around and, and completely getting fooled on the route. That's obviously not what you want to see. But I think that, you know, and sometimes the other team has good players too. Uh, and the other team has playmakers that are going to be able to make plays. And we see it across the NFL every week, all these crazy good receivers. That's something these teams have. We're going to see it week one right off the bat with DeAndre Hopkins against Gilmore is going to be a great matchup and, and so on and so forth. They're right down the line of the regular season. I mean, I can name a number one receiver on just about every team. That's going to be a problem to, to defend for the Patriots uh, pretty much for the entire season, besides maybe when they play Buffalo. <laughs> right. So it's going to be one of those <laughs> things where there's just always going to have somebody that's going to be able to make plays on the other side of the ball. So uh, at some point you have to tip your cap at the other point. So I get it. I mean, it, it's not a great look to the naked eye when, you know, they're getting torched for these big plays. I'm really uh, interested to see what Brian Flores does not to take anything. I think a lot of Patriots fans are starting to take away stuff from Matt Patricia and kind of call Matt Patricia out for the reason why the defenses looked one way for the first, you know, uh, for his tenure here as a defensive coordinator. And then with Brian Flores, they're kind of turning up the heat a little bit more in the preseason. But I asked Belichick about that, and he really scoffed at it. I mean, he was like, we're not game planning. We're not doing any Anything special to try to get after the quarterback in any better way or anything like that. The blitzing, he kind of said, was just experimental for now, trying to see what works, what doesn't work. So I, I do expect to see the same style that we've kind of seen with Matt Patricia, just another guy calling the plays. The question really is, is that money down, that third down? We've seen, you know, Doug Peterson in the Super Bowl, Doug Peterson throughout that entire run kind of really – 
uh, made his money on third down with some great play calls and scheming and uh, and play designs and stuff like that. That's where Brian Flores is going to have to make his uh, mark on this defense. Is can he come up with some creative coverages and creative pressures, marriage those together, and get off the field on third down because that's a big problem for this defense over the last couple of years. Well, it was a huge problem, obviously, in the Super Bowl. Ten third down conversions was a big reason they lost the Super Bowl. And Friday night, uh, what was Carolina? Line of eight for fifteen on third down. When you when you're north of fifty percent, um, or the opposition's north of fifty percent in converting against you on third down, more likely than not, you lose the game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that you know, in today's NFL, that's that's the chess match, really. You know, on first and second down, a lot of these teams run kind of what their their go-to schemes are. Patriots play a lot of cover one robber, a lot of cover three uh, on the outside with some ma- matchup zone and stuff like that. That's kind of their bread and butter. That's what's going to get them through the season. And then on third down in the big times of the game, whether it's third down in the fourth quarter or just third downs in the second half in general, is really where the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator kind of have a showdown. And that's where they kind of have to come up with ways to get off the field or stay on the field, whichever way that you're looking at it. So we'll see what happens. You know, last year what happened was the Patriots would just kind of stay in their basic, you know, cover ones, man, man coverages for the most part on third down and just rely on their guys to cover. And more times than not, unfortunately, it didn't work out. So this year, let's see what happens. Maybe Brian Flores has some more tricks up his sleeve. Maybe he gets a little bit more creative on third down with the pressures up front, with the blitzing uh, that we've kind of seen over these last couple weeks. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. You know, I'm really hoping that they have a lot more talent in the front seven, I think, this year than they have in in the last couple years. Guys like Derek Rivers, Adrian Claiborne, hopefully Dante Hightower will be back and fully healthy. Uh, You know, things like that, I think, add up to them having a much better front seven, a much better pass rush. So let's see if they can kind of get a little bit more aggressive on third down. Well, and sometimes we see Bill Belichick make a move, and it is a precursor of something that's about to happen. Jason McCourty played uh, safety, and a lot was made of that on Friday night against Carolina. He played some safety, and Belichick talked about it on uh, Saturday in a conference call saying that uh, his run uh, run support uh, technique and, and his instincts are very good and something that really, you know, pointed towards the Patriots uh, giving him a shot. Then we find out the Patriots let go of Eddie Pleasant, a, you know, a veteran uh, safety. And so that leaves you with three established safeties, right? Devin McCourty, Deron Harmon, and Patrick Chung. Then after that, you have... Jordan Richards, Nate Ebner, and pretty much throw it in the wind of who else is going to play safety. So I, I think probably you're, you're looking at Jason McCourty. If one of those guys goes down or they need to get creative, he's definitely going to play safety. Yeah, well, what, what Belichick said was really kind of rings true with Jason McCourty, which is that, you know, having that position flexibility is something that's going to help this guy make the team. Yeah. Uh, obviously, if he displays corner, I just don't think that he's. I think it's going to become a numbers game with a lot of these younger guys on the team. You know, I've been saying it, but I really think that there's four locks at corner: Stephon Gilmore, Eric Rowe, the second round pick, Duke Dawson, and Jonathan Jones. So then it becomes that fifth spot. 
do you keep a guy like Jason McCourty, who is a veteran who doesn't necessarily play a ton of special teams, isn't kind of one of the – obviously I think he could play special teams, but it's just not really something that he's done over the last couple of years. So you have guys like a J.C. Jackson and a Keon Crossan and a Cyrus Jones and these guys that bring a ton of value in the kicking game. Is it going to push Jason McCourty off the depth chart? Probably, but then if you can have him play – at either cornerback or safety, now all of a sudden you had a lot more value to his overall standing on the roster, which is what kind of Belichick was saying, was that, you know, when you have that positional flexibility, when you're able to move a guy around to back up other positions besides just his own position group, it's huge in terms of being able to keep him on the roster. So I think that that's obviously what they were trying to do with Jason McCourty. I'll say this. If you put Jason McCourty as a single high safety in cover one or cover three like they did on Friday night, he's going to get exposed in that role. I just don't think that that's a role that he's going to be able to hold down in the NFL. We saw it on Friday night when he he had to help Keon Crossan on that crossing pattern, a deep over route, and he just wasn't able to catch up to the football. And he had plenty of time. You know, brother Devin was back there, Deron Harmon. I think that that pass gets broken up. So I, I, I worry about him in that type of role. But I do think what he can do is play near close to the line of scrimmage. Right, and that's what Belichick... Supporting yeah. the run. Right, and that's what Belichick was talking about the other day is I don't think they have any interest in having him roam. No way. I mean, right. you want to put him in a position where he's, like his brother, a very sound tackler, and he plays very good... Uh, in zone schemes, right? That's that, that's kind of been his M.O. coming out of Cleveland is that if you put him in some type of zone scheme and put him close to the line of scrimmage, that's where he excels. Yeah, I think that some Robert, some matchup coverage underneath, maybe on tight ends uh, and slot receivers potentially, uh, kind of more in a role of a, of a Patrick Chung almost. Uh, that that I think that he can definitely do. And it's actually something that, that Devin has done in the past too, just depending on the opponent. They sometimes move him and basically play him at corner uh, when it when it you know the time comes or when they want him in that role and they kind of let Deron Harmon take the responsibilities and as the roamer in the deep part of the field. So I think that that's kind of where Jason McCourty could find his spot on this roster uh, behind those top three is being another one of those guys that's kind of a matchup based player uh, opponent to opponent as kind of a slot corner uh, safety hybrid type player. A lot I think. A a lot like Patrick Chung, honestly, in that type of role. And he does have really good instincts in, in both the run and the pass game. He is a really smart player that's been around, uh, much like Devin, that he has that kind of football IQ that you can see that he can key on things and, and find out, uh, sniff things out in the run game and do things like that. So I, I think that is an interesting little wrinkle that they added, not one that I expected them to do. I thought that he was kind of going to be a boundary corner and that would be about it here but it looks like that they want to play him a little bit more inside the numbers and closer to the box potentially. So uh, that that's something that I think that he can do and something that I think this team is kind of missing more than kind of that boundary guy with Eric Rowe really solidifying himself as the, as the other guy opposite of Gilmore on the boundary. Chatting with Evan Lazar of CLNS Media covering the Patriots for us. RX Bar, whole food protein bars with simple, real ingredients. RX Bar wants to build things the right way. 
RX bar believes in the power of transparency and lets the core ingredients do all the talking with all of them listed on the front of the packaging. You'd likely recognize RX bar at the shelf. They're the ones who have egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture, and other delicious ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruits, and spices like sea salt or cinnamon. Turns out real food ingredients actually taste really good. Whether you like sweet or savory chocolate or fruit flavors, there's definitely an RX bar for you. Me, I absolutely love the mint chocolate bar. Great flavor, no aftertaste, and a great boost for a PM workout. Of course, Patriots play a lot of games at night, and an RX bar before I cover a game at night on primetime is always a way to power through and get through the night and bring all of you great Patriots coverage. And for 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash TRAGS. Enter the promo code TRAGS, T-R-A-G-S, at checkout. Again, for 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com slash TRAGS and enter the promo code T-R-A-G-S at checkout. All right, any surprises, Evan Lazar, in the uh, as we head into the final preseason game on Thursday night at MetLife Stadium against the New York football giants, if, like, let's say Jordan Richards is playing the entire game, should we read anything more into that than just that the Patriots need to field a roster of 11 players on both sides of the ball, as Belichick always likes to say? I I would hope that we could read a little bit into that. I mean, he was playing in the fourth quarter uh, in the third preseason game, too. I mean, at some point in time, they have to, you know, kind of realize that that experiment is just not going to work. That the player just, I personally think that Jordan Richards is not a good enough athlete to play at the NFL level. I really do. I think that that's kind of where we're at. I mean, you see him in coverage. The guy just can't do anything well, it seems. <laughs> he can't really tackle. Harsh, uh, he, but pro- he can't you know, really the, cover. the film don't lie, Evan. The film don't no, lie. No, it just doesn't. I just don't. I mean, the only thing that he really contributes to this team is that he played on a lot of special team snaps last year, led the team in special team snaps last year. So he definitely has a role as a special teamer, but I think that they have plenty of special teams type guys that can kind of go and and play his roles on those kick coverage units and they'll be perfectly fine. I mean, they have so many guys that they kind of prioritize as special teamers. And last year they lost, remember Nate Ebner to that IR injury pretty early on in the season. So now they kind of needed another one of those safeties to kind of step up into that special teams role and end up being Jordan Richards. Nate Ebner is back. Now they have Brennan King. They obviously have Matthew Slater. I think Nicholas Grigsby is a guy that has a good, really good chance of making the roster kind of as a core special teams guy and one of those corners the fifth corner on the roster and Jonathan Jones uh, also is those two guys are going to be special teams guys they're going to have to play on special teams so I think they have plenty of guys that are going to be able to play on special teams and I don't see how you can just keep Jordan Richards on the roster because he might be good at that Uh, the other guy that I, I think that might be I don't know if any has any trade value necessarily uh, so maybe they just outright release him as a Landon Roberts, who I think has kind of solidified himself a little bit as a, kind of a voice in that linebacker group and as a veteran presence. So I don't know if I, I'm 100% sold that he's going to get cut more so than I am with Jordan Richards, but I think Roberts is a guy with Jawan Bentley kind of stepping up and uh, really blossoming since he got here is 
probably the fourth linebacker in the group and, and a guy that maybe they move on from. I, I, I just think that guys like a Nicholas Brigsby, like I said, is going to potentially make this team. Maybe they end up keeping a guy like a Christian Sam, the other rookie linebacker that they drafted uh, over a Landon Roberts, just because they kind of know at this point what a Landon Roberts is. And I think that Sam has a little bit more potential down the road because he has a little bit more functional athleticism than Roberts does. So I I would look at those two guys who I think that no Patriots fans are going to lose much sleep over seeing any either of those two guys uh, released from this team or, or potentially moved for like a late round draft pick or a depth receiver or something like that. Not Jordan Richards has no value on the trade market whatsoever, no. but Landon Roberts might um, you know have a little bit of, of value. Not saying that you're going to be able to move him. I've heard things floated like moving him and Malcolm Brown for something. Uh, maybe that is potentially something that you know. Uh, they could do Malcolm Brown is is another guy that has some trade value uh under, only under contract for the this year so there's a little bit less than maybe if uh if he had another year on that fifth year option or another year in an extension or something like that but I think if you're looking for a guy to do a player for player swap uh, in order to get a receiver in here or get someone uh, in here to contribute, whether it's the receiver or elsewhere. Uh, Malcolm Brown, I'd say, is the guy that has the most trade value and probably is the most expendable out of the guys that have trade value on this team. Okay, two names, and then we'll wrap it up. Keontae Davis and Geno Grissom. Do both of them, neither of them, one of them make the roster? I say neither right now. Uh, I, I know that that is probably goes against a lot of what people have seen in these first three preseason games with both of those guys playing a lot. I, I think Gino Grissom, he's another one of those special teams guys that's going to have to make the team on special teams. I don't know if there's enough room on the roster for another one of those special teams only type players. And, you know, he's added some things in, in the pass rush in the preseason. He's got to the quarterback a little bit. But overall, his awareness, uh, his ability to diagnose plays on the field is just not where it is needs to be for him to be a guy that they can rely on at the defensive end position. There's a play on Friday night where he was supposed to contain on the outside and instead he just bend around the edge and Cam Newton escaped and found Christian McCaffrey for a first down on a second down play. And, uh, and Gino Grissom, yeah, he made a nice pass rush move to get around the tackle, but he completely blew his assignment and Cam Newton had a really easy escape route. That I, I don't think is something that they're going to be able to rely upon. And with Keontae Davis, uh, I really, it's a great story to come back from the really serious neck injury that he had and, and obviously uh, against the Eagles, he played a lot and uh, logged a lot of pressures and, and, and was able to get to the quarterback a couple times. But when you really looked down the, at the film and kind of broke it down, the two sacks that he had were pretty much clean-up sacks late, uh, late in the down. And uh, most of the pressures were just him pushing the pocket in a bull rush and uh, getting inside uh, on the line of scrimmage and rushing from uh, over a guard or over the center, uh, which is a nice little versatility thing that he has going for him. But it basically, what I'm saying is that I did not see an overly twitchy, athletic pass rusher that was, you know, it, the film did not back up the stats in that instance uh, about, you know, all these pressures that he accumulated were kind of all 
uh, you know, a little bit of a facade, I thought, and I didn't really see a player that was necessarily clicking big time. Like if you watch, you know, Keontae Davis's tape and then you watch Derek Rivers's tape, for example, you can tell that there's a very big difference in terms of potential, uh, you know, out of the defensive line. So I think Keontae Davis is the guy that they would like to keep around. I'm not really sure if they were to release him, if he would have tons of interest necessarily uh, on the waiver wire market. Remember, a lot of people forget that when they waive a player, in order for another team to pick up that player, they have to put him on the 53-man roster. You know, no one can pick anybody up and then put this to put him on a practice squad. Uh, you know, they have to get put onto the onto the active roster. So I think that Keontae Davis, I don't know if I necessarily see another team being eager unless they really liked him pre-draft in the pre-draft process and the injury was the only reason why uh, they didn't draft him, which could be the case, I, I suppose. But overall, I, I just don't see how either one of those guys, the Patriots have a lot of depth on the defensive line all of a sudden and have really added some talent to the defensive line with Claiborne and Rivers coming back. So it's kind of a, it's a log jam. It's a lot of, it's a numbers game. I mean, we're even talking about Malcolm Brown, you know, former first round pick being an odd man out. So I just don't know if uh, Keontae Davis has done enough in my eyes. Evan, how can people follow you on Twitter? Because you are certainly one of the best follows on the Patriots beat. You can follow me at Twitter at E-Z-L-A-Z-A-R, Lazar, just like my last name, E-Z, my initials. And, uh, yeah, follow me on there. And, obviously, at clnsmedia.com is where you can read me and uh, and listen to my podcast. Hopefully that will be launching very soon. And, uh, and obviously, we'll have you on tracks as soon as that gets going. And then, uh, you know, the season right around the corner so I'm very eager to stop breaking down preseason tape and start breaking down the real thing here soon you and me both I'm looking forward to sharing the press box uh, with you Evan as we double team Patriots coverage this year on CLNS Media want to thank everyone for downloading today's podcast want to thank our terrific guest Evan Lazar and our sponsors Boston Barber and Tattoo Game Time and RX Bar for producer Michael Angie our executive producer Larry H. Russell and the founder of the network Nick Gelso this is Mike Petralia and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media <laughs>